Ask the Podcast Coach for December 17th, 2022. Let's get ready to podcast. There it is. It's that music that means hi. It's Saturday morning. It's time for Ask the Podcast Coach, where you get your podcast questions answered live. I'm Dave Jackson from the School of Podcasting. Dot com and today we're going to get our nerd on. That's definitely that's definitely sure for today. We're also going to talk maybe a little brand safety. Uh, when's the best day to publish your podcast? We might cover that. It's all based on the chat room and where they want to go. And the guy that's going to help me wade through that is that guy right over there. You know him as Jim Cullison from TheAverageGuy.tv. Jim, how's it going, buddy? Greetings, Dave. Happy Saturday morning to you. Snowy, blustery Christmas feels like morning. So welcome to the week before Christmas. But for those who don't know, yeah, you have a week till Christmas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> get moving. You get better moving. go get your stuff. Or for those of us whose family go out of town, uh, this is Christmas weekend. I'm doing Christmas tomorrow because my most of my family goes to Florida to hang out with in-laws and things of that nature. So if you are uh, new to the show, we're at askthepodcastcoach.com slash live. Uh, that's where the YouTube uh, chat room is. and uh, Or if you want to go to askthepodcastcoach.com slash join, you can jump right into the video. But before we do that, we should probably get your pour on. And of course, that pour is brought to you by our friend Mark over at podcastbranding.co. If you, he said hitting the button, if you uh, need artwork, uh, you know, for your podcast, I've used him for the podcast rodeo show, the school of podcasting logo, ask the podcast coach. Mark is not only a great graphic artist, but he's also a podcaster. So that whole, I have to explain what a podcast thing is, goes right out the window. In fact, uh, if you had to, which you don't, you could because Mark's going to sit down with you one-on-one to really understand your brand and make sure that, you know, the artwork he's designing fits in with kind of the vibe of your show. Probably going to listen to an episode or two. He really goes the extra mile that you're just not going to get from a guy on Fiverr and it's going to look great. Now, if you need a uh, lead magnet or a full website or a branding kind of audit, he can do that too. Everything is there at podcastbranding.co. Uh, and I always make this joke, but it's true. He's Canadian and he's going to be polite. So check him out, podcastbranding.co. So good to have the coffee in the morning. Big thanks to Dan Lefebvre over there, based on a true story podcast at based on a true story podcast.com. Uh, a new episode out, 220, The Man Who Invented Christmas. Dave, are you telling me an American invented Christmas? It wasn't Santa since the beginning of time? Shut your mouth. That's, that's it blasphemy. <laughs> well, you can you can find out. It's over on the site right now. Based on a true story podcast.com. Dan, thanks for your sponsorship. And just a thought for anybody thinking about should I start a podcast? Do you realize the plot to every Christmas special is wait, Christmas is canceled? That's the plot of every oh my, what are we gonna do? There's there's that. So uh also if you're listening to us on the wisdom app, if you click the little button beneath my blinking head, uh that'll uh request you to come up on the stage. We'll be happy to uh Take your question that way as well. But first, of course. And now, oh, he's been waiting for this. It's time for Jim to get his nerd on. It's, it's. 
love the kids. Uh, it's good to get your nerd on or have a nerd because Dave, Santa came early for Dave. That's right. It's a Mac Mini. Still in the paper. I haven't unboxed it yet because, as I mentioned... Blasphemy. Yeah. How long have you had that, Dave Jackson? Uh, that showed up yesterday, and I went... If, okay, all right. I'll cut you some stuff. And I went, if I open that... My, I'm done. Yeah. I'm just like yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna get stuck. And instead, I went down many rabbit holes on hubs and docks, and uh, then the, the whole thing is uh, if you get some sort of dock with uh, an HDMI port, does it do 4K at 60 hertz, not 30? And I was like, wait a minute, most videos at 24 frames per second. Why do we need? But then it's not frames per second; it's hertz. And I was like. I don't know. I need a nerd. And uh, I know well, you, you You know this one that you <laughs> podcast with on Saturday morning. I think you're actually better in the initial setup of this thing. I think you're better off. And for most podcasters, this would be my advice, especially if you're on a Mac mini, just set it up on one monitor. So don't try to do the tool, the two monitor off of the, off the Mac. You can, I went ultra wide, so I'd get that extra space, but you can do a single monitor on it. Um, and I, I don't necessarily know if I'd buy the dock right away. I think I would set it up, get rolling, it, figure out if you actually need it. Like there may be some things you can do differently that I'd invest in hard drive space as opposed to a dock. But um, there's, yeah, there's just some things you can do, you can think about. And then uh, keep your Windows box, set that on a second monitor. And there's some, there's a program called Synergy that you can use one keyboard and one mouse across both Mac and PC. It, and so it allows you to kind of have both up as you're making the transition because you're going to spend a bunch of time transitioning these computers, right? Yeah. I, the, one of the things I'm going to be doing is I noticed as I looked at my PC and the fact one of the reasons it's probably running out of hard drive space is I'm not doing a very good job of cleanup. So for me, I will download all the files from the roadcaster, which I need maybe two or three. And instead, I get like five and I'm not going back after it's done and deleting the files I don't need because I use Hindenburg. And what Hindenburg does is it makes its own folder. Like when you're done, the Hindenburg folder is everything you need. Anything else you could delete. And so I know there's a bunch of hard drive space that I could clean up with that. And I have a ton of, you know, musicians coolers files, which is a podcast that's been dead for about a decade at this point. And I don't want to delete it. But I know there's a service from Backblaze that's made for backing up stuff that you probably should throw away, and it's like dirt cheap. And I thought rather than you know taking up more space on a even if it's a you know external hard drive, I'm like I just need to throw it in the cloud because I'm always like oh there's that stuff that I should probably throw away and getting rid of that. Uh, so, but you the the fun thing is originally I thought I was actually thinking of taking my PC moving it to the living room, which meant buying another mm. desk, uh, mm -hmm. buying another monitor uh, for the the Mac. And then today I woke up and it was like, you know, really, I have two monitors here. And I thought, I, I rarely, I'm not the kind of guy that's doing video where I have one program taking up both screens. It's usually, you know, uh, Dave School of Podcasting stuff on left monitor, uh, Libsyn stuff in Firefox on the right. And I'm like, we're just going to swap it out instead of being things in Firefox on the right for Libsyn. I'll just do, you know, maybe I'll do uh, my Libsyn stuff on my PC and do all my podcasting stuff on the Mac. So that is the the plan. And then I, I thought about that I, before I go buying a hub, A, 
because one of the things that's cool about these hubs is you can add additional hard drives. And I was like, okay, that's cool. But I also thought before I go blowing another hundred bucks, let's see if we need it, you know? And uh, because I was really worried about the dual monitor thing. And I was like, well, wait a minute. If I'm not really using a dual monitor with one program, I was like, let's just put the PC on this one and the Mac on that one. And yeah, we'll go to town. It's, it's a great way to transition. So keep your keep your Windows PC in the monitor that <clears throat> excuse me in the monitor that you use the most often, because so, there's a lot of mu- <clears throat> muscle memory in yeah, this yeah. in what you do with a computer, right? Brain muscle memory, yeah. where you're used to looking for things or finding things, whatever. So, <clears throat> sorry, leave that main monitor in front of you, PC. Then take the monitor out of the PC, plug it into the Mac. You'll need a separate keyboard to get things started. So keyboard right. and mouse on the Mac. You'll need you'll need to borrow one or find one or whatever to make that work. But so um, get them both up and running separately, right? And give yourself some time. That way you're not like some people make this huge mistake. They're like, I'm throwing it in the studio today, and you're like, uh, probably not a great idea. Get the thing set up because there's some steps you're going to need to do, Dave. I'm going to walk you through a few of these, but. There's some steps you need to do before you really move that thing into production. And then once it's kind of set up and you've got, um, you know, you've got it the way you like it, then you can switch it or leave it. Doesn't matter. You can do whatever you want, right? right. That's, that's the beauty of it. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. When you, um, w- when you do unbox it, you're not going to unbox it on the air here. So they're crying for that in the chat room. <laughs> unbox it, Dave. No, no, no. It, it, it. Here's, here's what's Save in it. it. The Mac mini and a power that's cord. It. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not necessarily that exciting. But um so for for those of you who at Christmas time are getting a new PC or maybe a Mac, there's not a lot of this on a Mac, but after the initial setup, right? So we talked about that, how to get that set up, set up as something separate. You gotta kind of de-bloat the system. Now, the Mac doesn't have a lot of bloatware, if any. I don't think it has very much on it at all. But our PC friends, those come with a ton oh, of man. bloatware. Right. So you got to kind of go through, uninstall some things to get just get some stuff figured out, uh, the, uh, delete some things, get familiar with what's there and then take it out. And then you'll need to do this on both PC and Mac, uh, uh, regardless of what you have. Start your updates. This is why you don't unbox it and then just try to go right to production, <laughs> yeah. because, Dave, you're going to have some updates, even though that Mac was just shipped from China like a week ago. Right. It's still going to have a bunch of updates on it right so you got to kind of sit down go through get the updates rolling get get it up you know do do its thing and then i think spend some time getting familiar with the operating system yeah. dave you you said it's been a while right it's been a while since yeah you've i i have an that. old mac mini that i only bought so i could do garage band tutorials that was it and i did my garage band tutorials unplugged it kind of said oh i'll keep it plugged in and it's got to be in, I know at least two if not three operating systems behind so eventually once I get the new Mac mini plugged in I am going to turn it off plug in the old Mac mini and update the operating system and that old Mac mini is going to church that's going to be our check-in check-out <laughs> computer um, but it's been years so I know the the chooser and preferences and yeah, a couple other things so I always mm-hmm. uh, through my whole life I always end up on a Mac I'll do something with it, and then I'll move into a new position, and I'll go five, six years without touching a Mac. And then one will come along, and, and the, so that's exactly where we are now. It's been probably five years since I uh, bought that original one. 
Well, here's the good news. In the five years you've been away, yeah. everything's gone to the browser. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and br- right, Browsers are all the same. When you're in StreamYard in the browser, it works just like the same on a Mac as it does on a PC. So, so I've really... I've gotten to the point, you know, I have a Mac in the middle for me. I have Windows to the left, Windows to the right, Mac in the middle. I've kind of set it up so that I don't know the difference. Like, I don't think, oh, I need to go to the Mac to do this. Right. Um, I, I uh, It's based on where do I want to do the work, right? The, the Really, the main difference is the cl- when you close out the, the, the screens, the, you know, the to close it out is in the upper left <laughs> instead of the upper right, right? So here's the question. What like I use? I'm a big Chrome guy on my PC, but I also know that anytime things get weird, I go into my task manager and I see where there's four million uh, instances of Chrome running, even though I only have eight tabs open. I'm like, that's weird, and it seems to take up a lot of thing. Is that the same on a Mac, or should I just go all Safari all the time now? Uh, it just depends what you what you want to go with. Chrome okay. on Mac is just fine. If whatever you're going to use, use them consistently. This is why Chrome is for why most people are using Chrome across the two, because it runs pretty well on both. Now I'm going to get some feedback on that from the chat room. Nah, right. Use this, use Brave, right. use what? Edge. You said nobody ever. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, right. Neil said, yeah, um, bloatware equals Microsoft Edge. Oh, it's gotten really, it's gotten very bloated. The, I think the key to this is, you, of course, you can't run Safari on Windows. So right. if you want a consistent browser, you're kind of left with either Brave or Chrome if you don't want to use Edge. Those are the mm-hmm. three big ones. The, the key for me has been to make sure in the browsers you have the sync turned on so that yeah. the browsers are syncing across. And th- this is the cool thing. They'll sync kind of across yeah. OS. So. Again, it's like you don't even have to think. You kind of you don't even have to think about it. So um, that is your your. I think your browser environment is the first thing you get set up right. Right, is you're getting in there, you're getting things set up. Get your browsers because you're going to need your browser then to download the software and do some of the other things that you're that you're going to do. Yeah. Then I I think the oh go ahead. Well, Chris had a question because I found out years ago that Firefox is more of a resource hog than Chrome. Is that still the case? It can be because there there are times when I'll be like, ah, I'll be, you know, I'll start swearing at Chrome, fire up my task manager, and I see that the thing that's really gobbling up my memory is Firefox because I use Firefox yeah. for my libs and stuff just to keep things separate. And I'll be like, oh, well, wait a minute, hold on, you know. So it's uh, well, it all browsers are actually pretty bad. Yeah. Right? Now, if, if you're if you're kind of a resource, uh, you know, uh, if you're watching your resources all the time and you go, so like on Windows, if you go into the right click on the taskbar down below, go to the task manager, there's a resource tab and it'll show you what's using CPU, what's using memory, what's writing to the hard drive. It's alarming. Like that, that don't do that right before you go to bed because you'll have <laughs> nightmares about wasted utilization oh, yeah. all night long. Right. So. Um, all of those, um, all of them, all the browsers are bloated in a lot of ways, especially on PC, um, not so much so on Mac, but it varies from time to time. You know, Chrome, uh, Google Chrome uh, was out the gate first. They seem to have settled down. Microsoft's Edge browser mm-hmm. came in, uses Chromium, so the same engine as Google Chrome. And it was very plain in the beginning, and it was actually kind of nice. And yeah. now they've bloated it out, right? Of course. Um, so. Yeah, Brave is a nice alternative. Uh, they don't spy on you like the other ones do. Um, it's kind of it's kind of crypto. It's got some weird crypto stuff in it. Hmm. Um, but 
you know, it, again, it's kind of a learning curve to get right. up to date on it. Well, so get, get your browser set up next. And yeah. you said the, the magic word learning curve. And that's another reason why I didn't open it up last night because I just knew I was like, OK, I'm going to. But I also know that there's going to be a time when I'm plugging this in and I get it up and the monitor comes on and I, and I go to do something and I'm going to be like, hmm. I, th- I think it's here, it's there, and I'm going to be kind of frustrated because I don't know exactly what to do. And you just have to realize, knowing that going in, that, hey, when I'm uncomfortable or whatever it is, whatever verb you or adjective you want to use, that's normal, and yeah. it's not going to be forever. I will eventually figure this out and, and go that route. And um, you know, Well, so. that's why I like, Dave, I like keeping your, your setup, your yeah. current setup, intact yeah first and yep. and, and running an, another instance running your mac right next to it because it gives you the chance to still continue to work and then and then look over at the other pc okay how would i do this so think about it from a podcast production standpoint so this week you're you're producing your podcast this weekend it, you could have the mac next to it yeah. and you could be thinking okay i do this for production, how am I going to do this on the Mac? <laughs> right. Right. It, it, and so you start, you slowly, maybe over the course of a month, you slowly start moving all those processes over because there's nothing more frightening than when you've taken that PC down and you can't get back to it. And then you're like, oh, there's a key on there I needed. Right. There was yeah. something on there I needed. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the nice thing about this is opposed to, oh, crap, my hard drive failed. My computer's dead. I've got, I yeah. can make this transition as slow or as fast as I want it. And and like you said, I think I'll probably open this Sunday when I get home from from Christmas, plug it in and let it start doing updates. So, and then just from there, you know, but really a lot of it is going to be cleaning up my PC and figuring out, you know, who's storing what and that whole nine yards. The, uh, the program you mentioned, I forget, because uh, I know Dan said he For loved the- it. Keyboard and mouse is called Synergy, S-Y-N. And that runs on the PC or the Mac, or how does that work? Uh, yes, the answer is both. <laughs> okay. So you you go to their website. I, I would purchase their pro version. Uh, and then yeah. you they have a Mac client and they have a PC client. And you just download them, run them, and then decide which which computer you want your keyboard and mouse to be the kind of the server of, right? Where yeah. What's it plugged into? And then... You go to the other computers and just point them. There's, you can either put in the IP address or sometimes it just finds it on the network, which is super cool. And um, you said, it, it says, hey, I found this computer. Do you want to bring it in? And it brings up this 9 by 9 grid mm-hmm. that says, where do you want the monitor? And so you can place it next to it or above it or below it. It just kind of depends on what your monitor setup is. Huh, cool. And, and then click apply and all of a sudden your mouse goes across and you can move the mouse. Now, Remember, for those using this kind of software, <clears throat> the mouse needs to be in focus on the computer it's being used. So if you take your mouse over to the to the Mac and you start typing, it'll type on the Mac, not the PC, right? That's how it knows where the focus is for and, you is based on the, on the mouse. Again, a fun little uh, learning curve there. Um, yeah, it's not as bad as it seems, although sometimes you'll click and then drag your mouse like by mistake, and then you'll start typing, and you're like, hey, where did... Where'd the cursor go? Yeah. Like, oh, it's over on the other computer, right? <laughs> Neil says, yeah, don't change from PC to a Mac yeah. when there's a deadline looming. And then uh, DR is saying getting rid of bloatware is problematic. The problem, 
the program names are so ambiguous. Don't get rid of yeah. pregnant screwdriver because you need that to run the thing of a bob and of course the doohickey and you, know, you find out later. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. Funny. With with bloatware, know what you're doing. So oftentimes it's sitting there. It's just fine. Like you you could leave it if you don't know. It's good. It may be good not to just go mass delete things because you you might be removing a driver. You might be you know something something like. Yeah. Like DR said, something, something else seeds. So, okay. So once Dave, once you get that all set up, you've got two important decisions to make. Mm. Do I install antivirus? Mm. Right. I would say, yes. how do I do my backups? Yeah. And most antivirus software have a version for both PC and Mac. Yeah. So for you, if the answer is yes, long ago, we had this <clears throat> little bit of a myth that Macs just don't get viruses. Right. You don't need an antivirus, right? Well, partially true. Sort of. I, I put antivirus on my Mac. <laughs> uh, I, you might want to do that as, as well. Most companies have a version for both, and I like keeping it consistent, even though the clients will be a little bit different. At least right. you kind of keep it consistent. Then you'll have some backup uh, decisions. Mac uh, Mac Time Machine is fantastic. From a, my opinion, by the way, from a piece of backup, local backup software, Time machine on the Mac works great. So you need an ex- I would put an external drive in, then go into Time Machine and set it, forget it, and it just backs up. It's um, on Windows that is a nightmare yeah. to back up, right? For most people, for the average guy on a Mac backing up with Time Machine, that's that's one thing I think the Mac does really, really, really well is that local backup. You know, you get into a file, you mess it up, you're like, oh crap. You just jump into Time Machine, grab the file from yesterday. It's back. Done. Right. Super, super cool. Yeah, super cool. Hmm. So you'll have, and then I think once you get the, down to antivirus and you've got your backups kind of taken care of, then you kind of start figuring out, okay, where do I want to keep files? And this is where for the for podcasters, I think this is important because you had said you got files all over the place, and maybe not the you've done the best file management of them, right? Yeah, it's I, I need to like I know I finally decided for I, I just called it uh, sentimental stuff I have now in Microsoft OneDrive. I was like, that's going to be the thing I do that. Mm-hmm. Yep. I have client like Zoom meetings in MediaFire, and then I have all my podcast stuff is on an external hard drive. Uh, it's a I think it's two terabytes. Um, so that's, that's going to be the fun one is I will have to move those two terabytes to probably another hard drive. I I will format a hard drive on the Mac and then move those files to the Mac hard drive. We'll have to, maybe that's going to be, this is, this would be a good one to sit down and think about like, where do things want to land? So like that windows, your old windows computer would make a really good file server. I like the way windows manages files. I don't like the way Mac manages files. So I would have a drive on that windows site. You don't need to change anything. No OS change, whatever. Just, just use windows. But I would I would create a network share on there where you kind of keep the Stuff. files that you want. Yeah. And then I would run the backup software on the Windows. By the way, this this may be controversial for some people, but I would run the backup software off Windows to go wherever I'm going to the cloud. Yeah. So you have Time Machine covering your daily Yeah, so backblaze for you. So Time Machine's covering your daily production stuff. You're moving those production files onto the Windows. We'll call it a server but a, a Windows box that then's moving those files to the cloud. 
and you've got some pretty good backup then, right? You got two local copies and a copy in the cloud. It's you've you've got kind of a storage for it. By the way, that doesn't mean you need to change your MediaFire. You know, you can still yeah. continue to use OneDrive and MediaFire and, and MediaFire for it. Yeah. But it does give you the ability to have one box that's doing all the backup to Backblaze because you're doing that today, right? You're using Backblaze. Yeah, and, I, I, and yeah. that has saved me multiple times. Like you said, where you're yeah. like, "Oh crap, yeah. I deleted that file." No. I emptied the trash. No, you know, and you're like, hold yeah. on. Yeah. It's gone. Yeah. It's gone forever. Um, Neil is saying migrating from a PC to a Mac would be the first, the perfect time to map a network share to Google Drive. I know Good. some people that love Google Drive, and I know other people that like everything else. You, you either love it or hate it. You know, so that's always. Uh, well, I loved his map, you know, a perfect time to map a network share. I yeah. love this idea of just maybe even documenting, okay, Here's my storage strategy. We have so many files. Like we have live files that we create. Okay, this was the live instance that mm-hmm. we did. Then here's the edited audio. Here's the edited video. Here's the video final production. Here's the MP3. You know, I ran this through whatever you run it through. Yeah. Here's the final MP3. Uh, Mike Howard, uh, uh, my good friend, passed away a few years ago. I think he kept like nine cop for one podcast, like nine copies of things, right? And you're like, dude, yeah. <laughs> like, do you need that many now? Hey, listen, whatever makes you sleep at night, right? right. That's that's kind of important. But um, Dave, this may be a great time to kind of think of a of a not a backup strategy. That's important, but. Where am I? Do I know where I'm storing everything, and what's my strategy for yeah. this? I think every post- podcaster could do this during the holidays. Little storage audit, like, That's hey, it. you know, Cause can I, I get it back? Because I found, like you just said, I have um, from the old, you know, Windows PC. They had a folder called My Webs, and for whatever reason, when I was using Front Page. Back in the day, I put all my webs in there. So I have stuff there that has – and the only reason I keep those is those also then have the pictures that were on the website and things like that. And I know I have probably three different versions of my webs, and I don't delete any of them because I'm always worried if I delete that, that's the one that had you know the old band photos in it. So I just like, ah, storage is cheap. Who cares? Whatever. But it is a pain in the butt when you go to find something. That's the problem is when you – you have to then yeah. look in three yeah. places, but uh, yeah, yeah. So, well, hey, Dave, Uncle Marv didn't hear. We're, this is a long segment. We should probably yeah. remind folks what we're doing. So, yeah, can you play the music one more time? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And now, oh, he's been waiting for this. It's time for Jim to get his nerd on. <laughs> Such a great. This is my. This is the best day of the year for me, Dave. You got a new computer. Yes, I am so geeking yeah. out over this. It's, it's well, super and, cool. And who knows? I don't know how long. I bought a year at Streamyard. I'll have to sniff it. Um, I I know everybody that uses eCam, which only works on a Mac, loves it. I also know it sounds like there are times that eCam is that kind of thing that does everything. That's the good news is. But now you're like, wait, where's where's the thing where you do the under thing? It's like so it might be uh might be something that I look into, but it it sounds really cool. But the more I hear people talk about it, they're like, Oh no, you can do that, but make sure there's always a make sure. It's like, Oh yeah, it's cool, it's easy, it's great, it does all this stuff, but just make sure you do this. And that's where I, that's where I go, mm, so it'll yeah. be uh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
I've learned, and I, you know, I built a brand new PC that I'm doing for VR. As a, as a matter of fact, that we'll we'll show this. The VR box just came oh. in. Oh, so MetaQuest Two is in the house. It still is in wrapping as it's well. Uh, we're, we're we're terrible. We yeah. bought this stuff we just uh, behind tease people. me. It's been sitting there the whole time. Yeah. Behind me over there is the headset for it. So um, we'll be setting that up later on this weekend. I think the key on this for podcasters thinking about setting up. That that's different than normal, you know, just your kind of your normal PC folks is you, you, you probably have more processes than you think embedded in the systems that you have. So don't be in a hurry. If you get a new computer for Christmas, Dave, I, I applaud you actually for waiting to set this thing up. You did the right thing. Um, I was a little afraid this week that we'd be yeah. doing this call, you know, be doing this show on the Mac. And I was like, Oh yeah, I don't know how that will go, but wait, Take your time. That's a little thing called experience that, you know, comes along and you go, <laughs> yeah, I know what's going to happen when I open that box. Uh, the other thing I thought was really weird, and I, I guess I'm sure there was a box that I didn't check because I'm always home. But the UPS guy, like, set it on my stoop and knocked on the door. And by that, I mean he went, I know you can't hear that, but that's the whole point. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I thought somebody might have bumped into the house. Like, it was, it was literally like... That was it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, was that a knock? And I was like, oh, wait, it's it's because uh, it was supposed to originally show up the 22nd. Today's the 17th. It showed up yesterday. So it showed up early. And I was like, I wonder if that's it. And I, I see a UPS guy, you know, getting back into his truck. And I was like, man, that's not cool. And I open it up and there's this box. And I'm like, that's eh, big enough for a Mac mini. And I open it up. I was like, man, I'm like, it's the holiday season. I don't have to worry about my neighborhood too much, but if people are going to steal stuff, now would be the time to do it because all the good gifts are showing up now, you know. So it'll be um, interesting to um, to play with. And I just oh, – it's like I said, I, I started to get a little nervous last night. I was up till about 1 in the morning just going down rabbit hole after rabbit hole. And I was like, you know what? You don't have to make any decisions. Just nope, chill. Nope. And I woke up this morning and was like, oh, here's a novel idea. Why not just take one of your monitors and turn that into the Mac, and then you'll have your PC to do whatever you want and, and go to town. So there you go. It's good. It's a yeah. good call. What, one more topic, just right. one more on this before we go. And the, here's the question. Yeah. What do you do with your old PC, right? Mm. Now, you know, I've been, I'm going to try to convince you that you should turn that Windows box into your storage server, so to speak, to use for all your big files and some of those kinds of things. We'll, we'll, that's a unique, like, I need to know what kind of hard drives you have and the setup for those kinds of things. But for many people, they need to recycle their stuff. And this is where it, it varies by location. Here in the United States, Best Buy will often take your computer for recycle, and they'll do it gladly, and they don't charge you. CRTs are different. If you have an old CRT, they're going to charge you 50 bucks or something for that. Uh, make sure you've cleared your hard drive and you've, I'd put a nail through it. If you're going to turn your hard drive in, I just take literally take it to the workbench, get a nail or a screw and just drive it right through the hard drive. That'll finish it off uh, up pretty well. There's programs you can use that'll clear it for you and those yeah. kinds of things. But well, um, we're going to hit the button again. And now oh, he's been waiting for this. We're going to, it's time for Jim to get his nerd on. <laughs> Three in a show. I know. Um, are there like it. any? Are any of those micro mini PCs viable for things like podcast production? You know, the ones about the size of an Apple TV. No. Okay. I I know. I heard no. Adam Curry talking about some machine that was like three hundred dollars, and I was like, yeah, that can't. Mm, no. I mean, okay, you could make depending upon your workflow, you could make it work. 
Like yeah. for some people, they're like, I'm going to prove it to you that I can right. do this. You, no, don't, don't do that. Spend, you know, you need some, if you're a video, especially if you're a video podcaster, if you're moving the stuff to YouTube, if you're doing any video, any video, video uh, any video, this is more than I've talked ever in my life. <laughs> <clears throat> any video editing at all. You'll, you'll need some horsepower on that to get it done at any length of time. So in most cases, if it's audio only and you have just a few requirements, yeah, you might be able to get away with it, but I wouldn't go the cheap route. Yeah. Well, speaking of, uh, uh, you know, talking a lot, I had a weird experience this week. I, um, I did a webinar for Libsyn, which is weird because when I do a webinar for Libsyn, I become Libsyn. Like the words that are coming out of my mouth are Libsyn. And I wanted to ask you, I know you've done, you know, a ton of webinars where you're like, you know, Captain Gallup. Does your mouth go like, I mean, I mean, every ounce of spit ran out of my mouth. I was just sitting there and like, <laughs> I kind of like, so always have a glass of water near you or something. I, I've never, ever had that happen to me. I always have the thing when I speak live, my hands turn whiter than they normally are and they sweat. But this was like, I'm talking and everything's cool. And I'm, I'm trying to channel my inner Elsie and be kind of like, Hey, thanks for coming. We're so glad you're here, yeah, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And all of a sudden my, uh, the woman that's the product manager for, uh, Libsyn studio starts talking and I'm just like, where is like, I'm just like, I've never smoked pot, but I now understand what dry mouth is. <laughs> I was like, Holy cow. That was uh, fun. Yeah. I keep coffee. You know, I keep coffee by the desk all the time, just just for that. But it's good to have a glass of water. Yeah. You know, and uh, Dan from, oh, by the way, Dan, so yeah. um, what do you call it when you have like Kleenex? Like you are the whatever. You're the, yeah, the brand. I, the brand. I watched like three minutes of the new Will Smith movie on Apple Plus, and it comes up and yada yada produced by so and so. And then, of course, the screen goes black, and in all white letters, it says, based on a true story. And I was like, Dan, Dan. So you are now, when I hear horses, I think Glenn. And when I see the phrase based on a true story, Dan, you've done a very good job of your branding that I was like, oh, it's, it's Dan. Dan's been here. Dan will probably be here in the future. I don't know, but um, it was uh, crazy. So um, that was, that was fun. I have a question for you, Jim. Okay. This is, I need, uh, I need a second opinion. Uh, if you're new to this topic, I am a a person that believes the listen note stats is caca poo poo because when you say I'm in the top two percent, you're comparing yourself to the show from you know whatever 2007 that hasn't put out stuff. And so I was on YouTube and I had a I took the the comment offline because I said, dude, you do know that's that's a crap stat. And his answer was, why are you trying to pee in my Cheerios? You're making it hard to stand out. And so my question is, like, I've always made a list of – I've always outed companies. Like, for the longest time, Kajabi didn't do 301 redirects. Now they do. They, by the way, still horrible. I don't want to take this tangent, but they changed the GUID, the unique identifier of every every episode. That is so bad. But anyway, so this guy – so my question is – do I I had no problem outing a company and saying I disagree with what they're doing over here. If I do it to a person, it seems almost like a page out of the curmudgeon manual. 
You know what I mean? And I was like, should, cause I don't, cause people are going to see that as like a feud if it was like a radio feud. And I was like, I don't know if I should, you know, hmm. nah, you should just let it go. All right. That was just, it's so, it's so much easier. Like, <laughs> and I, listen, I, I, we all have, a, we all have trouble with this when somebody's, I mean, I just got a text message this morning from one of my customers who was like, Hey, have you heard? And then there was this, this whole thing that wasn't even true. And you're like, yeah, uh, and it, just for like the next half hour, that's all I could think about, mm-hmm. right? And so when you run into those kinds of situations, I would think if there's any, if you have any inkling that it's the wrong, like if it's 1%, you feel wrong about it. You mm-hmm. should listen to the 1%, not that's the 99. It. You want to you wanna lash out, <laughs> but just go, no, no, nah, you know, because at the end of the day, Dave, I, I don't think much of this stuff matters, you know? Good I, don't, I just, you know? I just don't think it matters. Yeah. What What are you? I see behind the scenes you are sharing a screen of some sort. Um, oh, oh, it's just put, my. That's just my YouTube. Yeah, it's just my YouTube. Okay. Video. No, that's sorry. <laughs> sorry, right. I'll stop sharing. Well, yeah. you, you ready yeah, for yeah. a fun clip? Um, yeah. I, I am not anti advertisement at all. I just worry about. In fact, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm talking about this in a future episode of the School of Podcasting. But there's a study. Or, or I shouldn't even say a study. I, it was my study. I did it. But here's the thing with ads in your podcast. Let's say that you have a three-minute break. All right, great. So you play three one-minute ads. Great. Now, next episode, you still have a three-minute break. But instead, you put six 30-second ads. It's the same amount of time. Your audience is going to be much more perturbed hearing six ads than three and I was like, that makes so much sense. And I didn't realize it until because it's, you know, the holiday season. I turned on the Hallmark Channel and I was watching this one movie, Jim. I don't know if you know the name of it. It's where the, the really hot single girl and the super hot single guy, I forget. They hate each other at the I, beginning and then they, they end up falling like in love every at the end. other Christmas movie, <laughs> you mean? Is that the name of it? <laughs> but what was weird is the ads. I kind of liked it in a, a total like, this is what podcasting does to you. You're like, oh, Look, I'm getting ads for uh, mixers and um, just things that were much more feminine. Not Cialis. yeah, but it was in. But there were a ton of ads, and I remember. Here's why I think this is true: is after about two or three ads, I was like, okay, like let's get back because I got to find out if she's going to find the the ring and the cake or whatever. And uh, it's it's just another ad and another ad. So I, I found that interesting. And on uh, Kevin Schmidlin's show, Grow the Show, he has a radio guy now on his staff. And he said, yeah, that's that's absolutely true. It's not the time. It's the number of ads. So if you're thinking – I know I did the one little test where I, I put 15-second ads seven different times in an episode. And people are like, yeah, don't, don't do that. That's Because I kept thinking, well, it's only 15 seconds. It's not really interrupting things. So uh, anyway, so that was that. I'm going to star this one question from uh, Uncle Marv. But I wanted to play this because this is what they keep talking about brand safety. And my joke is they're going to turn podcasting into Up With People, which was this super (laughs) brand safe group from the 70s of young people jumping around and being positive and uplifting. So anyway, this is a clip from uh, Pod News Weekly Review. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes out at uh, askthepodcastcoach.com slash 419. But they're talking to this company called Barometer. And Barometer listens to your show. They do transcripts and all this other stuff. And they're going to kind of give you a grade. But listen to 
I'm just going to play the clip. Challenges for brands that affiliate with a show that may be safe, but the host is not for reasons that happen outside of the show. So we get a sudden emergency email that a host we're sponsoring was caught wearing a shirt that said something controversial in the wild. And all of a sudden, this is a topic. So uh, if you thought that you're only responsible for the show, you are not. You are responsible for the behavior of that individual to some people, to some stakeholders. And so really important that you get visibility into that as well as what's in the show itself. Wow. I mean, are there, are there any examples that, that, that wearing a shirt can't be a proper example, can it? No, that's a real example. Absolutely. Yeah, there was a podcaster uh, who wore a shirt that uh, didn't make any sense to me. Um, not something I would have recommended that they wear, but they were wearing it and someone snapped a picture. Somebody put it on the internet and Twitter was ablaze. So I heard that and it was like, hmm, so I, you know, your Northwestern shirt or whatever you have on there, Jim, is. Uh, yeah. Northwest. Yeah. Northwest Bearcats. Missouri highly State. offensive, man. Northwest Missouri State. Yeah. Somebody's going to put that on Twitter and it will be. A, I just, when I heard that, I was just like, here we go. And I kind of get it. That's not really new. Because I remember there was somebody on Patreon that got kicked off of Patreon for something she did outside of her show, which was something like she tried to something with Greenpeace or something, and it was slightly illegal. But I still was kind of like, yeah, but that's like, let the police throw her in jail. Don't take away her Patreon. But that's just a it's a weird thing. And I just wanted to bring it up and go, here's a weird thing that's that's going to happen. And uh, you can find that weekly.podnews.net is where you can find um, that show. But I just was who's, like, who is the who's the British sounding guy? I've the never British that guy, guy. That is the one and only. Come on. Say it with me. I, I say it every show. Who? James Cridlin. I've never heard of him. Never. <laughs> is he is he is he? important everybody drink come on (laughs) is he doing things i've never heard of him i don't know got nothing (laughs) Uh, the other thing i thought we could talk about Uh, listen i am now trying to figure out ways each week to say something on this show that that james cridlin will put in the newsletter (laughs) after the potomatic incident and it showed up in the newsletter i thought wait a minute he listens to ask the podcast coach maybe i can get maybe i can continue to get shout outs in his newsletter Yeah. um, Assuming I knew who he was. Well, Neil has a point here. Now, Neil, again, has been in radio forever and TV um, as well. He says, I'm surprised that people are surprised by this. You start a podcast, you become a media personality and brands are super careful about who gets the carry bag. Yeah, I I guess my whole point was, I guess I I still think of podcasting as an audio thing. But in this case, obviously, if they're taking a picture of a oh, shirt, no. it was on video. Yeah, YouTube. And yeah. I guess I, I guess my worry is I could see if I said, and I'm just making this up. Let's not go crazy. This is an example off the top. But so if I said, um, whatever, Polish lives matter, right? The phrase lives matter is a lightning bolt. Mm-hmm. And somebody's going to go crazy if you wear a shirt. Mm-hmm. That says something like that. So that's my where that person might be. Well, I'm proud of my. And I'm not Polish, for the record. Is Polish even the right word? Is it? Yeah, yeah, no, it is. You know, so that works. works. My whole thing just about and they do matter. (laughs) Yeah. So my whole thing is just offending people because I just heard a great. I I, I'm going to credit Jerry Seinfeld. He called it flash paper something. So I'm going to throw the word personality on that. Because I think some of us have a flash paper personality where we get we there is no 
you know, zero to 60, there's no 45 in there. It's like, we're, it's, we're either cool or we're, we're enraged. And I was like, Hmm. So my worry is I'm going to wear a shirt that says WKRP, which is on its way, by the way, thanks to T public. I was like, that's excellent. Nice. Um, a great show yeah unless those letters mean well that's the whole thing but that had johnny fever and he was pretty much a misogynist and you know the way Uh, they depicted lonnie anderson and i'm like yeah it was 1979 all right let's let's go so i just i think one of the things i'm going to be interested to see i'm i've got a feeler out is there's a thing called errors and omissions insurance because i started looking into this because of the um i think we talked about it here about the show is that a cult did we talk about that is that a cult is a show where people would go the Boy Scouts and I'm just again making this up I don't know if they did that but it would be something like the Boy Scouts is this a cult and they got dropped by their network they were on like one of the biggie network thingies that you've probably heard of and it is rumored that maybe they were worried because they started going after big groups and saying, hey, is that a cult? And apparently not everyone is thrilled when you accuse them of being a cult. Nope, nope. And so, Turns out they're not. <laughs> yeah. So I was yeah. like, huh. And I just wonder if as we, again, start thinking about brand safety and worrying about people suing us – um, you know, are people going to start investing in errors and omissions? Because that's a thing where you go, oops, I didn't mean to say that. Did that hurt you? And then, you know, you pay 20 bucks well, listen, a month. You know, we have automobile insurance. We don't mean to run into right. people, right? It's not like, oh, yeah, I think I'm going to go out today and ram into as many people as I possibly can, right? So I, I don't think it's a bad idea to have like some insurance for those kinds of reasons, it, especially. You know, we're saying things off the cuff, right? We're saying them instantly. Oftentimes, we're having to react to the things that are going on in the chat room. Uh, I'd hesitate to go back and listen to some of our back catalog oh, episodes, right? And you go, yeah, I probably said some things wrong. In this business, you know, it might be smart to have some some insurance. We don't mean to say those kinds of things, but sometimes you do. I, um, at Gallup, like I won't do a podcast um, without either Gallup gear or just plain, like I wouldn't wear this hoodie, even though it's right. just supporting the school. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that for Gallup podcast. Has anybody ever said anything to me about that? No. Uh, it's just what I choose to do. I just kind of keep, try to keep the brand. Now I have enough gear that I just pretty much wear Gallup gear for every single podcast that I do on these, like this one and home gadget geeks. I just try to wear non-controversial stuff. You know, I, yeah. I don't think, I'm not sure the Northwest Bearcats are going to be controversial this morning or not. <laughs> Who's your arch rival? Sure. I don't know. Yeah, I, that's a good question. I don't know, but they're they're good. They they have a good football and basketball program. They're, my daughter went to school there, so I don't. Know, I, I figure like I'm okay. But I don't the the insurance idea. This may be one of those where you kind of go, yeah, we have homeowners insurance, we have car insurance. Those are both for accidents saying something inappropriate or wearing something that because Dave, in some cases it's not intentional, right? In some cases it is, it is right. right. It's absolutely intentional, but in some, in some cases, um, yeah, by the way, a bear cat's not real. Um, it's a fictitious, <laughs> I think it's a fictitious <laughs> mascot, but, uh, in, in, you know, in some cases things just slip out. Right. And so like, that's like in an accident when you slip on the road, you don't intend to hit the person, but you do. That's why you carry insurance. So I don't think it's such a bad idea. 
Yeah, I haven't. Uh, I'll, I'll put a link here. Um, I found I I googled it and found Thimble, um, some company that does all sorts of insurance, but they have actually a page. It's like, are you a podcaster? And I was like, well, look at these guys being up to date on everything. So, um, you know, I, I don't know that it's it's one of those things. It's like you you know you don't need insurance until you need it. So well, we, most people don't. In this yeah. case, most people don't. Right, the liability you're carrying because that's what you're that's the that's what you're carrying here is liability on this. Did you say something or do something where someone can sue you for actual physical damages? Yeah. That's what, that's the, that's kind of what you're insuring there. So, yeah, there was, there was an article that, um, again, everyone drank James Crinlin and pointed out that, Ooh, yeah, you keep mentioning this guy. <laughs> I have no idea who he is. The, uh, some on a sports podcast, somebody said something very disparaging about an umpire. And they took the guy to court for who knows what, but he he won quite a chunk of change. And I was like, hmm. So I need to. I'm I'm sniffing this area of insurance because I'm just like, all right, we're all you know a flash paper you know uh, environment. You know, maybe we should do that. So uh, I'll have to. Well, D- Dr. asks a good question, right? She says, do the do TV news shows have insurance? And I, I don't know if they do or not. Neil would they, know, they maybe. They probably have corporate insurance so yeah. that, and they probably have corporate lawyers. Yeah. So that's their insurance, right? Is, is they have lawyers who, uh, you know, who, who they, who they, cause boy, in the news industry, can you imagine the number of, oh. I mean, can you imagine the number of lawsuits? Yeah. It's gotta be huge. It's gotta be huge. Yeah. Nothing but. So yeah. the other thing, uh, let's see how we how we're doing on time. Oh, uh, good. Um, Ooh, can I, I get some coffee while you're we can definitely, while you're uh, while we're transitioning? As soon as I there we go. Excellent. Uh, I'm starting to see. Remember how we talked about the new crop of podcasters and how we kind of get the same crop and and we're not complaining. We it's just like look, the kids have come back. You know the the looms. Look, Norman, the looms are back. Um, it's the it's, freshmen, the yeah. freshmen, the freshes. And so I'm seeing things that I was like, huh. So and and the theme I'm seeing, and I could be wrong, is uh, I often am. Is it appears when you first start a podcast, you assume other people are going to promote it for you. And I'm like, hmm. So one question was, this was from somebody named Steve. This was from a Facebook group. What's the consensus here on fellow podcasters who reach out to be on your podcast? You know, you're in the same genre, but they don't extend an invite to theirs. Do you take it as an affront or do you not care? Um, I'm interested in your thoughts. And I was like, hmm, because... To me, A, if they're in the same genre, I guess on one hand, well, if if that's your, again, this is one of those, it's your podcast, do what you want. But if the only way you'll let them on your show is if you let, if they let you on their show, I'm like, the one thing I don't hear in that equation is um, the audience. It's all about me. And so, I don't know, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I don't expect <laughs> I don't expect a return. Yeah, uh, you know, a return. I don't expect them to even advertise for me. You know, let them know. Hey, it's available. You know, a, a lot of my guests on Home Gadget Geeks are already podcasters. They know how to do this, and if they're going to do it, they will. And if they don't, it's okay. The value for me it was in the interview, not in them sharing. I'm not I'm not trying to steal their audience. I, 
it's great. Oftentimes they'll mention it or make it, they'll make their audience aware of it or whatever. Right. We get some, but you know, I, I, I have pretty low expectations there. Even with uh, the podcast we do at Gallup, um, I have some pretty low expectations for our guests. I kind of see it as my job to do the advertising and, and to get that out there. And I'm not there to steal their sheep. Yeah, you know, and, and then not, not I'm there. we got this one, uh, again, in a Facebook group from Stephanie. She said, hi, friends. Have you ever run into issues where the interview guest uh, is not promoting the episodes on social media? I've had several people on my show, and they didn't post about it or even repost my posts about it. I provided marketing materials to all of them, and still, it's crickets. Any tips on how you go about asking your guests to promote their interviews? And I politely said, have you ever thought if you – if I asked Jim the same six questions that he just answered on a previous interview, you know, I always bring up Pat Flynn. And if you're not familiar with Pat Flynn, he was an architect. He lost his job, start, he sold an ebook, and now he's, you know, a millionaire. And I'm like, everybody that if you stand next to Pat, you're going to hear that story a bazillion times because it's a great story. But Pat's not going to share that with his newsletter. And all of his, you know, primary audience because they've heard the story, you know, Cliff Ravenscraft story of I used to sell insurance and my dad wanted me to take over the business, but I started a pot. Okay, we've heard it. So if you've interviewed somebody and walked them through their story, their audience has heard that. They're not going to share that again. So I think that's one of the things I, I don't think people think a lot about. Like, okay, go listen to other people's interviews of that person. Now I realize that's crazy talk because, wait, I'm supposed to research the person I'm interviewing? And then see if there's something that you would have asked that they didn't so that the interview is a little different. And I know you can do the Larry King. I, I want to come in and I don't want to know who they are at all. So I'm super curious. And again, it's your podcast. Do what you want. But I just thought here it was again. People are expecting other people to grow the show for them, and I was like, mm. "So do you?" Well, we we've we've touted that in the Facebook groups and Reddit and all that other stuff as a way to grow your audience. I mean, pod uh, these you know people who podcast about podcasting always say, "Yeah, a great way to do this is you know get on other people's podcasts or have guests have high profile guests on yours." Neil, right? This is Neil. He says. Yeah. Did I get that? Yeah. yeah. Crickets with interview uh, with interview guests tend to happen when they don't bother to build a relationship with that person beyond inviting them to your show. Like, listen, they don't know you. Like, oftentimes, exactly. They don't know who you are. Yeah, you had them on the show. You might maybe spend an hour with them, maybe a pre-call of a half an hour. Maybe your interview wasn't very good. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know yeah. how you say that politely. Like, hey, maybe, uh, you know. Maybe you weren't very good in the interview, and they're 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 afraid to to you know show it or or, or you know they're afraid to share it with their I I uh, was with their audience. Uh, here's a classic example. I did an interview kind of swap thing. I, I will boy big lesson on that. I don't want to talk about it too publicly because it's easy to figure out who it is. But their version of our interview, I'm here to tell you where you'll hear me talking and I'm like this. And then all of a sudden in the middle of my answer, and I'm like, and I'm like to where I'm like, I, I'm in the car. I'm like, I can't hear the rest of my answer. And I'm like, surely you hear the volume going up and down. I'm not sending anybody to that interview because yeah. it's horrible. Not the content. And the person's a very nice person, but I was like, how, how can, cause it's, it's a podcast about podcasting 
And it's like, wow, if you were my student, I'd be like, yeah, don't put that out. That's here. Run that through Alphonic and you're good to go. But I was just like, yee. So that's the other thing. If it's not a great interview or it's, you know, if you, I forget what I was listening to the other day. And they were, they even said, we'll get the interview in just a minute. And whatever they were talking about was not great. And so nine minutes in, they finally started introducing the person. And I was like, maybe that's why people aren't sharing the interview because people have to wait to the 27 minute mark to get, get to the content. Um, we, I've been developing a relationship with a thinkcomputers.org podcast that, um, they, uh, they're on my show. I'm on theirs. We've been kind of going back and forth. They show up at their live stream. They've shown up at my live stream. Like we're building. So the audience knows who they are and, and, and their audience knows who I am. And so we spend some time like, you know, kind of working that together. And I'm sure that has brought some folks over, but that's taken more than just a single time. You know, they've been on the show dozens of times at this point, and it's taken a little effort for me to show up to their live streams so that their audience kind of knows who I am from, from that standpoint. So I think, um, and I think um, Coach D, well, Someone said this in chat just a second ago. The relationship matters, right? Yeah, that was and Neil. If they just show up. Yeah. Okay. So he. Yeah. So the the key to this, though, I want and I want to come around is Randy's question. He says, "What agency would you go through to get a higher profile guest?" I think there's actually very little value in high profile guests. I just do I not have I, applause on uh, here. <laughs> I would not. I, I, I th- listen. It, it, I know that's counterintuitive, and I know everybody's saying go after the big fish. I just don't like. That's just not what people are looking for. I especially see brand new podcasters trying to do this, where they they haven't really honed their skills very well, and then they're going to interview somebody who gets interviewed twice a day all yeah. year long. And they're going to fumble through it, and it's not going to be great. They're going to think it's great, but it's not going to be great. Um, I just that I, I'm just not a fan. Now, the the exception to that would I be if you're in a niche, in that high profile guest is an important influencer in that niche, right? Where, where from a community standpoint, they're really respected. That could be a different scenario. But for me to get Pat Flynn on Home Gadget Geeks to talk about his gadget setup. Listen, my audience isn't going to know Pat Flynn any more than anybody else. So they'll just be, oh, like, Pat, he was pretty cool. Yeah. Right? They won't know, do you, Pat Flynn? You know, kind of deal. No, it's just not going to work for my audience. I took a line from Ben Franklin. I can't remember his original thing, but mine is, it's not the size of the guest that brings the value. It's the size of the value that makes the guest. So I always use the example. I remember the first time Glenn Hebert from the Horse Radio Network came on my show. Glenn was, you know, well-known in the horse space, but he wasn't known that well in the podcasting space. He came on and people were like, wait, what? Who is that man? And I was like, exactly. So I don't have applause, but uh, like Neil, the quote we were looking for is – uh, crickets with interview guests tends to happen when you didn't bother to build a relationship yeah. with that person beyond inviting theme to be on your show. What do you think, David Lee Roth? Woo! Woo! Exactly. So, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's listen, there's always exceptions to this. So, you know, somebody's going to come out of the woodworks and say, oh, no, Jim, that's not true. I did. Well, that's you're the one in 99. In a lot of cases, it's just a, now if that if if 
interviewing a high profile guest is your dream. Yeah. And that's something that's going to add value to what you do. And it's just been like, oh, I've always wanted to interview fill in the blank. Right. Um, do it. Well, have the, them on. the other thing like, I could see it do doing it. is when you get that one high profile person, it does make it easier to get other guests. Yeah. Because you can yep. say, you know, uh, here's my show. We talk about such and such. I'd love to have you come on the show. In the past, we've interviewed people like blah. And they go, oh, well, if so-and-so has been on the show, I should be on there, too. So I, I could see that. But in terms of hiring an agency, here's my problem. I have agencies contact me daily yeah. with pitches that are so bad that if I had somebody that said, hey, Dave, I listened to this episode. You talked about this. My client does this, and I think they'd be great if you ever want to talk about blank. I'd, I'd go look at that agency and go, wait a minute, I might hire them to represent me. I've n never, never had that done. And the only time somebody did it, all they did was copy the first few sentences of my blog post and put it in to make it look like they listened. And my favorite was, and it was really cool, that the, the guy, their client – that was trying to get on my show actually recorded a personalized video for me. And it was like, Hey Dave, want to say, uh, thanks. Here's who I am, blah, blah, blah. And I really love the show. And then he said the wrong name. And I was uh. like, Oh, so close. I did email him. I, I, he's actually going to be on the show. He wrote a book. He's all about mindset, but I was like, I love the effort. It just, that's not my show. So I thought that was uh pretty funny. So um, the, um, the, 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 the trick to that. So to answer Randy's question, Randy asks there in the chat about where can I go? If you, and he, he gives a little clarification. He says that basically a comedy oriented show information, entertainment type podcast. Um, so if you're looking for entertainers or comedians and you're going high profile, you're going to have to go through their agents. And so you're going to have to know somebody who knows somebody on this. This is not a Look them up in the phone book. The phone book is here. The phone book is here. The, that It's not that situation. You're going to have to go through some booking agents to get that done. You know, as an example, if you wanted to get Brian Regan on your podcast or Jim Gaffigan, two comedians that I just really like. Yeah. You're going to have to work through their agents to get them. You're probably going to have to pay for them. And your your uh, chances of getting all the way there are pretty slim. So for the big, big names, you're going to have to go through their agents uh, to get that done. You can go, you know, there's plenty of podcasts connect as a podcasts connect or podcast connect, or there's a bunch of subscription, oh, a couple. It's podcast singular guests, plural podcast guests.com. Or if you go to uh podcasting resources.com, there's a bunch of them listed over there. The one thing you can do if you're trying to get, you know, celebrities is make a list before you spend the money of people you would love to have on your show and then uh, sign up for IMDb Pro for a month and oh, yeah. you can get there the information yep. for, for again, for their agents and go that route. Um, or, you know, ping them on Twitter. I mean, uh, Troy yep. Heinrichs yep. from the, you know, he's all involved with the Blacklist Exposed and it happened by sending a tweet to one of the writers, you know, and that eventually got him in there. So, um that's that's always you're fun. gonna have to be persistent on this if you're gonna want to get yeah. through to the to the i i just michael hyatt i tried to get on our gallup podcast at one point and it was four or five months of emails back and forth and then at one point i had michael booked 
and a week before they're like, oh, actually, Michael's busy. Can I get you to one of his, you know, we've got Dave, who's just as good. And I was like, no, I wanted Michael Hyatt. That's why yeah. we did this, right? He had talked about Clifton Strengths and their organization uses Clifton Strengths. So you're going to have to be persistent. You're going to have to be patient. You're going to get bumped kind of based on how big of a deal you are. Chances are you'll get bumped. Uh, Scoble was another, Robert Scoble was another mm. one I interviewed back in the day. And, and man, his, that, that dude at the time was so busy oh, yeah. getting his time was next to impossible. And I got bumped down the road a couple times on that one. So you get, get ready for that to happen too. Well, that happens. I mean, I feel Neil's in the chat room and originally we were set up to, uh, interview Neil today, and then I forgot that Christmas is this weekend, and so I I had to cancel that. Neil, if you're available, by the way, I sent you an email yesterday because Christmas has now been moved to Sunday, so I'm available on Saturday. <laughs> but I said I realized your weekend's probably booked, but don't get too. The only time I ever get slightly upset is if somebody bumps me twice, and that's that's when you're kind of like, all right, what's you know? But again, like you said, if it's a Robert Scoble or it's not Robert, what's uh? I forget who the guy. Yeah, Robert. Name. Yeah, Robert Scoble. Oh. Yeah, you got it. Um, cool. And then Michael Michael Hyatt. Yeah. yeah. So, but you know who would never bump us? Our awesome our supporters. awesome supporters. That's it. Um, and I want to do something different today. Let's see if I can do this. Uh, our awesome supporters, of course, are at askthepodcastcoach.com slash awesome. And I looked this morning, and. Oh, that's interesting. I'm getting hit with a giant pop-up screen. Uh, our awesome supporter for today is, uh, and we've talked about him in the past, and he's also, I'm now, I, I, I don't know if I'm an official co-host, but I'm on here a lot. Um, this is Greg from the Indie Drop-In Network. This is the guy, again, if you're looking, if you have a scary show or true crime, uh, you can basically go over and put your show on this network, and it'll help you, you know, here's the podcasting power hour. Speaking of that. I'm now on that on a regular basis. Right. It's a Monday night. Uh, what do you call the live Twitter thing? Tweet, twit, twit, stream, twit, something. Yeah, spaces. It's a Twitter spaces. Uh, is so, this Twitter still? Is it still there? Uh, it's still there. Yeah, <laughs> it's still there. Okay, it's hard okay. to believe. I know there's some people worried about it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, anyway, Greg has a bunch of stuff over there at indiedropin.com, and he's one of our awesome supporters. So, Greg, thanks for your support and i need to stop sharing my screen here it is down at the bottom that's the topics we can pick from in case anybody is that secret info no is that our secret no, that's so you'll just see where here's here's the uh the question that i just read this is uh podcasters oh i forget the name of this program um studio that uh is also changing the way they do business and i didn't want to do that i wanted to do this and go to this page because hey uh ask the podcast coach runs on pod page if you want to try pod page try and if you want more jim cullison and hey who doesn't go to the average guy.tv check out home gadget geeks and when you think podcasting uh think school of podcasting and of course if you'd like to have dave in your pocket Go to DaveInYourPocket.com. That's a new coaching without calendars thing I'm doing. And, of course, everything is at AskThePodcastCoach.com slash support. So thanks to all of our awesome supporters for, uh, you know, not making us hate life while we're editing and <laughs> all the other work we put into this. Um, so uh, let's see. We have an argument going on in the chat room while I was gone. Um, I see we're, we're – uh, okay, so we have – 
I know higher profile guests wouldn't want to do a smaller podcast. That's not true uh, because they know they are using you to help your podcast. It doesn't help them as much. Now, I don't know if you would call the drummer from Ozzy or the bass player from Ozzy uh, big names. They were to my my audience. They were like, holy cow, you got Carmine a piece? And I was like, yeah. Um, he came on my show in 2006. So to say it was now on, at the time, it was probably one of 100 podcasts. So it was easier to be a big fish uh, out there. But uh, Neil is saying um, if they if they wanted something that will be worth their time in most cases – Networks and PR people are more concerned about metrics. Yes, they are. In fact, here's a good question on this. I had a uh, podcast, I don't know, what do you want to call it, manager. Um, what is, I don't want to step on DR, but there's there's different things where it's, um, they kind of do everything for you. But they were coming to me for free, which again, whatever, that's what this is. Um, and they wanted to know, how do I know who are the most popular shows because there's we're, we can't see everybody's stats and i'm like well there's apple podcast stats but that's not a popular that's that's who's trending now you can go to chartable and again that's kind of who's trending now and she's like well how do you know which show to go on i go i look at the content and go yes i can help that audience i go i don't really Look, I, I've never asked. In fact, I, I started saying no to the smaller shows because in some cases I would be interviewed and it would never go live. That was annoying. But on the other hand, I said, I don't do interviews. I said, I do interviews for two things, to help their audience and to start a relationship with that person. I said, because I know at least three times that I've been like episode three on a show that never made it to episode 10. But that person remembers that I came on their show when they had no listens, no downloads. And I came on episode three. So the, the fact that I came on again, I, I didn't get a lot of downloads from that, but I got a relationship from people that then later when somebody says, Hey, like I see you have a podcast. Where should I go to learn? They're like, oh, Dave is the nicest guy. You got to go to Dave. So there, there are, there are two reasons for that. So I, I personally don't look at numbers. And when I, when I see somebody ask me how many downloads do you have, they're not here to serve my audience. They're here to serve them, and that's not always a great fit for content in some ways. So I don't. Know, what do you think, Jim, on this whole like I should only go on big shows? No, I think do what you want. Like there are, listen, there are some strategic things that you can do to kind of help kind of think through. Yeah, this will help. You just never know though. Like you never know it, going both ways. One being on other, on shows, like you never know that little show, you know, I've done some first episode, maybe in the first 10 with some podcasters, you know, and you're kind of thinking, well, you know, is this, is this worth my time? Yeah, it is. Cause people are worth my time. So for me, I, I'll give, I'll be on anybody's show. I, I don't, I don't mind. Um, but I've had some, I mean, I was talking about this in the chat room. I've had some high profile guests on home gadget geeks before they were high profile. Yeah. So Jamie Siminoff, founder of ring, which sold to Amazon. He's a gajillionaire at this point. So, you know, ring doorbells, those kinds of things. Yeah. He came on home gadget geeks. They weren't part of Amazon yet, but he came on, he thought it was valuable to come out. We had a great conversation and had a great relationship with him. Um, Mark, the CEO of Zapier, which has become a big 
you know, a, a yeah. fairly big uh, player in this space. They came on, well, this was years ago now, but, and got to know him. Super nice guy. We had a great conversation about Zapier. I've since asked him back and I get nothing. Mm. <laughs> like that's one of those things. I probably haven't tried with Jamie Simonoff just because I know, I don't know. Maybe I should try. Well, maybe Dan, I should try. Dan says you'll never know who will agree to be on your show until you ask. It's always it's always going to be a no if you don't ask. Yeah. <laughs> right. And always. realize no is not always no. It's not now. I mean, I, I know Pat Flynn. I asked him probably three times before he came on the show and he kept having kids. And I was like, where are your priorities? That, what do you mean? My wife's going to have a baby. Come on the show. Um, but when he had a product, he had um, a plug-in for podcasters. I was like, ah, he has something to promote. So that's another thing. If you're going after big people, wait till they have a movie or a book or whatever it is they're doing. So uh, then they'll, they might come on. Um, Neil says, famous people enjoy good conversations, period. Many of them could care less about your numbers, be interested and worth their time. Yeah. To me, it's, it's all about, you know, do you fit my audience and can you bring value? And that's really all I'm looking for. So, um, yeah, you never know. I've had wine, uh, agent crew from wine spies, uh, on my show there, you know, they're a fairly large flash sale, you know, wine company that, Use this cool locker technology to be able to, you know, they they sell these bottles, move them into a locker, and then when the locker's full, they'll ship them to you for free. You know, he didn't have to come on my show. It wasn't a direct tie. We had the best time. He was super cool. Right. And we just had a good time talking about wine and technology and some of those kinds of things. Out in California, the fires, you know, some of those kinds of things that they have to. So, um, yeah, I... I I mean, I would ask. It never hurts to. It never. All they can say I've is been, no. You know, it's like. Yeah. And then you yeah. can say. I've been is, looking through the. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I feel like Chip and Dale. No, you first. No, you first. No, you first. Uh, but you could always ask them when they say no. You could even ask them, is that a not now or a you don't think you're a good fit? Yeah. Because they might yeah. come back and say, yeah, not now. You know, so mm-hmm. keep that conversation going. Yeah, you never, you never know. But. Set your expectations accordingly. Like, don't get, you know, just because you get turned down by, you know, let's say you ask Joe Rogan to be on your podcast yeah. and then he, they give you, they never, you never get an email response back. Don't, don't take it personally. Nobody. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Um, uh, I guess we'll go here. Uh, DR has a, a question. Um, and that is, well, what about John Lee Dumas charging an arm and leg for his appearance? Keep in mind, John has a large, audience and chances are the person that wants to charge maybe not so much so uh that's a that's a great experiment in capitalism and supply and demand so john was getting i can't imagine the insane number of pitches he was getting to be on a show so how do you how do you slow that down go well if you want to be on the show here's the fee so that would slow that down and and bring that. So I think that's the biggest reason he did that would be my guess. Um, now, I, I have already voiced to me, I think that's a really slippery slope for people that aren't JLD because uh, 
what happens is you start charging people whatever three hundred dollars, and then Susie gets new braces, and you get the pool that you've been waiting on. And all of a sudden, that extra three hundred dollars that you had is now not extra. You need it, and now you have to have a guest pay you three hundred bucks, and you'll take anybody with a pulse as long as they got three hundred bucks. That because what happens is people are paying to be in front of your audience, and if you let anybody get in front of your audience, the audience is going to leave. So that's that's my biggest worry about it. And I'm always a big fan of like, look, you, you're bringing value. You know, I, I don't think you need to pay. You're, you're paying me in value is kind of how I see it. But I, I know lots of people differ on that opinion. So but that's my thoughts on it. Uh, let me go back to the thing we were looking at earlier. Um, here's one that I thought was interesting. Uh, again, kind of the whole hmm. Maybe we just need to do the work. Um, I've been sitting back reading and thinking of starting a podcast for the last three years. And I'm here to tell you, if that is you, you're not alone. I, I've known a few people that have done that. But I'm not sure if my topic is something that is needed or not. Five years ago, I so first of all, if I just stopped there, Jim, what would you say? Well, if, if my topic is needed or not? Yeah. To, to that, well, what's your audience think? I yeah. mean, what kind of feedback are you getting? Yeah. That type of stuff, yeah. He says, five years ago, I found myself starting over in my late 40s after my 23-year marriage fell apart. I'm thinking of doing my podcast on starting over all of that, the ups and downs, the struggles and hard times, and what I did to rebuild my life. Well, that's a cool story. Uh, so what does everyone think? Is this type of podcast needed? And so my question is, are there other people in their 40s that have gone through a divorce and are starting over? I think the answer to that is uh, probably, probably people in their 30s and their 50s and whatever. Um, so the nice thing about that is if somebody hears that and they're like, ah, crap, I'm, you know, uh, now I've got this weird thing at Christmas where we've got to do Chris two Christmases with the kids because they got to go to their moms and then they're going to come over to me and bam, bam, bam. It's a hassle. And I don't know what it is. And then you hear somebody else is going through the same thing. You're like, Oh yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not the only one going through that. And that can be huge, you know, for that. So, but my thing, I, I answered him and I said, what's your why? I said, because usually the podcasters I see that really, enjoy it and, and have fun are people that aren't thinking about doing it. It's, I need to do this. I need to get this information out. Um, people need to know this. People need to hear this. And it's that passion that pushes them through the first couple of years uh, that comes in handy. So I, I just heard that and I was, my, my knee jerk without knowing this person at all was maybe you shouldn't start a podcast. I encouraged him. I'm like, look, people will listen to that. But I, I didn't hear the, the I need to get this out kind of thing. But I don't know. Thoughts, Jim, on that? Yeah, you know? no, I, I 100% agree with you on that. I think, you know, when I started blogging back before podcasting, in one of the very first blogs, I wrote to myself, I don't care if anybody even reads these. I do them for me. And I think some of those kinds of podcasts where it's, it's, it's um, personal in nature, whatever, life hacks, whatever, um, you, you know, you're going to have a niche in there and it's going to keep it fairly small anyways. And the yeah. motivation almost needs to be for, like you said, for you first. If you attract some listeners and you do a good job and you market it well and it 
picks up some steam. Yeah, there may be some some things out there for you. But yeah, um, I think setting those again, getting those expectations set right from the very beginning is important. Well, dr dr asked a good question, but what if he asked it differently? Maybe he's really saying, "Can I compete with all other podcasts out there of the forty year old starting over?" And the answer is, "Can you?" Yes. Will you? I mean, think about it right now. There is, if we go back five years ago and somebody's in college and they're like, I don't know if I should go pro or not. I mean, I'm never going to compete with Tom Brady. He's the greatest of all time. I shouldn't, you know, I'm not going to go pro, whatever. I can't compete. Well, Tom Brady's going to eventually retire for good. No, and- he's going to be a robot. He'll have robot parts. <laughs> How can so, I throw the football today? But if if the only reason you're getting in is to be the best of all 40-year-old starting over podcasts, uh, that's a great goal. But just realize it's not going to come from your guests sharing your show. And, you know, all the things we talked about were like, we want other people to do this for us. It's like it takes a lot of work. So, and again, can you compete? Realize it's a competition. Yeah. But and that's where the more you niche down in some cases, like, hey, you just cut out your competition because now you're doing it for 40 year old men, not just 40 year olds. It's 40 year old men. And then if you, you know, however you want to do it. Um, but if somebody to me, I don't know. I mean, look, I want to be the best website to learn podcasting, but I it's what I did this year. I doubled down on the people that have decided I want to learn from Dave. And that's when I said, look, unlimited consulting. I'm going to smother the people that have decided to go with me. And if that then makes me, if they go tell friends that, hey, you got to go learn from Dave, maybe I will eventually become the number one place. But I I just know that everybody and their brother's teaching podcasting. And if I think about that, I'll I'll just curl up in a ball and go, there's too much competition. No, nope, I'm not going to think about that. I'm going to focus on the people who are focusing on me. And, yeah. and that yeah. then grows. So it's Well, tr- and will you? Maybe. Are the chances you it won't? Yes. Yeah. How will you know? You try. Yeah, I mean. You know, you give it a try. I always use the analogy, like, what about a writer or an actor or an athlete or yeah. a musician? You know, we all start off to be, you know, the top some of them make it. I mean, the one thing I watched the Bruce, I watched the Bruce Springsteen interview on Howard Stern. You know, Howard, and I'm going to tell a story about my dad and motorcycles. But he said he was on stage and he goes to my left was Mick Jagger and to my right was George Harrison. And he said, I thought to myself of all the kids that picked up a guitar and all the kids that eventually joined a band and of all the kids, and he just kept going, that got a record deal, that got played, and did da, da, da. He goes, I don't know why it's me. He goes, I don't know, but, you know, he goes, I just... just he the gets, situation yeah, was just right for yeah. him, right? He's like, yeah. I just know I worked really hard, and he was talking about all the weird gigs he did. He, he just, didn't quit, either. Yeah, that's it. He didn't, he didn't quit. quit. I mean, think about his career in the 70s. It could have been over in yeah. the 70s, and he reinvented himself in the 80s. And... Listen, he. I just heard him on an album with that uh, a band that my daughter listens to. That's like, you know, there are a bunch of kids, and there's Bruce Springsteen doing a doing a, a, right. a song with them, right? And you think he's doing it again, you know? And he, you, he works hard, though. He yeah, works hard. Well, and yeah. the other thing he did, he finally had to quit doing it because they would like have to shut down the interstate. He had a big Halloween party. 
<laughs> and people in New Jersey would just like, like he goes, we went over like a couple thousand and they're like, um, you got to start getting a permit for this or something. And he just had to shut it down. But it was all about, again, building that community. So I personally, it's funny that I bring him up. I have read his book. I've seen his Broadway special. I've listened to it. I just don't get Bruce Springsteen. I don't. He's just not my thing. And realize that's maybe that's a good point. You can be the boss and there's still going to be people that go, meh, he's all right. He's okay. Not my favorite, you know. So Yeah, you, yeah you're not you're not going to be the favorite for everybody. And you're going to get emails telling you that. <laughs> and you kind of go, well, okay, you're not our target. You're not my target. You're not. You're yeah. not one of my people, you know, uh, Tuesday night, uh, I went out, uh, I went out in the shed and, uh, enjoyed a candle. And then, um, uh, to my audience in discord, I was like, Hey, I'm out, I'm out hanging out. If you want to, if you want to join me on Streamyard, do this, not recorded, you know, in a cup, Ed Sullivan jumped in there. He was, he's, Ed was in Miami this week. They jumped in a uh, Randy Walker. One of my listeners jumped in. You never know. Like, and this was an opportunity to meet one-on-one with these folks and you got to take some time to do it. And, I never would have met Randy any other way than doing this. And sometimes you just have to take a chance and open some things up. Well, you ready for, here's, here's a fun, uh, uh, this came out from, remember the guys that were on Pacific something, something, Dan Meisner's his name. Um, Oh, that's not actually the thing I want to talk about, but this is a, uh, a link, you know, the worst day to publish a podcast. You want to guess out of the the seven days. Mm. I don't know. Uh, Sunday afternoons. You would think. No, it's uh, it's the one we publish on, Jim. That's right. We have the worst day to publish a podcast is Saturday. And so this is a thing that came out from Podchaser, and which I believe is owned by Acast now, if I remember right. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So they have all sorts of information, and they've came in here. And you can go in. So I guess I kind of consider like at the school of podcasting is kind of a technology podcast, but you can go in here. You know, what's the best day to publish? I think Wednesday and Thursdays. Wait a minute here. In the FAQs, read that, read that statement, because it doesn't say it's the worst day. It says it's the least popular day. There we go. So maybe we're maybe we're doing the right thing because we're not competing with the million of other podcasts that come out during the week. So, I mean, it's all how you read it, Dave. It's all how you read it. Yeah. Um, Survey questions matter. But I'm you can you that. can download Gallup. the report. <laughs> what was that website again? Uh, Gallup.com. There you go. Uh, but you can download the report there. I, I heard somebody talking about this, and they said the the best days are Wednesday and Thursday. But here's my, here's my answer to this question. What's the best day to publish your podcast? Uh, the one you can do consistently. It is really, I think... More, I, I don't know if I move this show to Wednesday that all of a sudden be like, because that then turns into the proverbial golden switch, right? Where you're like, oh, that's that's it. I got 10,000 downloads. What'd you do? Oh, I switched to Wednesday. I don't know that that's the, because again, I don't know about you. I listen to shows that are months old. It's not like, you know, it's, yeah. So I just one of those. I, I think it largely doesn't matter. Yeah. Publish when it's convenient for you. If you think there's a day that brings you success, publish it on that day. (laughs) It's fine. You're going to be just fine with it. I think we're okay. Uh, I think we're okay publishing on Saturday. Yeah. Here's a a quick question from the the chat. Um, I have a Roadcaster 1 and 2. Do you think renting office space, which when I did, it was 200 bucks a month for other people to buy time to do podcasting themselves? I know people that do it. 
Uh, I have no people that are successful at it, and I've known a few that were not. Because uh, you have to either A, make it really cheap. Because if you think about it, if you charge me 50 bucks and I do 10 episodes, I could have bought my own roadcaster, you know, at least the one. Um, and you typically have to target small businesses that have a budget that can use this as a tax write-off. So is it a viable business option? I don't know. We had a Wendy's close. I mean, that's a viable business option, but it was in a horrible location and the the help was horrible. I, I don't know. It's a, like I said, some people are doing it, you know, um, if I was in New York city, maybe, but if I'm in, you know, Beaver mud, Mississippi, maybe not. I don't know. What do you think? Well, Jim? It depends on the situation, right? Yeah. I think if we, if you're in a situation where maybe you don't have a good studio in your home and you have to rent some space, you did this for a while. Yeah. And that allows itself like, Hey, I've got all this equipment. Why not rent this equipment? Well, in that case, it takes maybe one or two to make it worth it. Like if you're going into it from just a small business perspective, you got to crunch the numbers in your location and kind of know how many podcasters you have and who would be willing to pay. Those numbers are going to be pretty small. So you got to do the math on that. But if you're going to use it anyway, why not rent that out to others and make a little extra cash on the end? That that could work that way if that was something you were already using for sure. Yeah, that's that's it. Uh, Neil asked, isn't Staples doing this? I know they were. Matthew Passy at yeah. thepodcastconsultant.com, because somebody else owns podcastconsultant.com, um, was the guy that actually helped Staples do that. I don't know that they're still doing it. I know those pop up. I know here in Akron, the Akron Public Library had a podcast room, but it was all glass. So here again, maybe someone should have asked somebody with a little experience. Um, I know uh, Barrel, mm, something Barrel in Kentucky, Jen something. See, this is, yeah, this crash and burn here. But she does yeah, no, editing and yeah. she does, I think you can come in and use their studio. There was a guy in Detroit that was doing it. You know, so some people have had success, but it's one of those things where this is not a, hey, if I open it up and put podcast here on a window, it's not a given. You're going to have to market it, you know, and then you have to figure out, is, are you doing that? Are you delivering a finished episode file or do you just give them that? Because here's the thing. I mean, I can buy a microphone for $58. I think this is on sale for uh, right now, the Samson Q2U and you know, I'm done. If I'm just doing a solo show, it's just a matter of you have to find people that are afraid of technology and have a budget, basically. Um, so the uh, Kim says the one uh, library in uh, another kind of suburb of Akron called Cuyahoga Falls has a video stage. So that's fun. Um, does uh, do you know, um, does the Cigar Authority model happen often? Because that's that so same thing. Yeah, they have a studio. Dave built, Dave Groffalo built a studio. They rent that out. They have a lot of folks who come in. Listen, that that model works because Dave Garofalo is an amazing business guy. Yeah. Like he is a hustler. He works seven days a week. He's always thinking about new ways to do things. They've hustled that studio. I don't know the numbers on that studio. I don't know if it's profitable or not. Um, it probably is for what they do. He needed it anyways. This is one of those situations where he needed that studio anyways, and they're only using it like you build this gigantic studio right. for what two podcasts? Um, you know, the Scar Authority and Ash Holes. Okay, 
why not rent it out? And yeah, you're going to have to pay a producer to come in and help produce those. Dave doesn't do that work. He pays somebody to do that. The podcasters who pay are basically paying for a producer and some time in there and their time in the shop and, and in the studio. So could it work? Yeah, totally. They're, he's doing it. He's making it. That's one of those situations where like, I was going to do it anyway, so we might as well make some money off of it while we're doing it. And Dave Garofalo is an amazing business guy. He misses yeah. no opportunities, takes huge risks, and and misses no opportunities. Yeah, the uh, I said fifty eight. It was fifty eight dollars. The Q two U. It's up to sixty nine, which is still a little less than I think they were selling it for. But it's uh, but you hit it though. It is kind of a risk. The one thing that blew me away is when I had my office because I just wanted to separate work from home. Is I went to get the internet because I'm like, oh, it's it's a business, but it's a side hustle, you yeah, know. And right, uh, right. they went, no, you're a business, and your internet isn't sixty dollars a month now; it's two hundred. And I was like, wait, what? So, um, yeah, I put a link in the uh, description there. If you go to support the show, supportthisshow.com/slash/q2u, that'll take you right over to Sweetwater. Um, uh, Uncle Marv says several studios by me. Priced at $35 an hour to $125 an hour with a two-hour minimum, that's just to record. And realize, take 70% of that, and that's the price, because 30% of that goes to Uncle Sam. Yep. So it's, I don't want to say it's not a viable thing, it's just, it's a business. You're going to have to, you know, work it and hustle it and that whole nine yards and have a little bit of runway money in the the bank and, uh, you know, cross your fingers and say a prayer and put the sign out and see what happens. So, um, yeah, so we'll, um, we'll leave it with that. It's uh, 12 o'clock already. Are we doing a show on Christmas Eve? Yes. Yeah. That'd be fun. Are you, are you okay with it? I'm okay with that. I will bring my okay. Santa hat. I think I have a Santa hat in the basement. So do you have a Santa I will hat? Have some, I do have a Santa hat. Right. Yeah, that'll be, we'll, we'll do that. Um, maybe some follow up to the Mac. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. By I'll, then we'll have a uh, show with, yeah, we'll do some follow up. Yeah. Bit. So, but, uh, Jim, any ideas what's coming up on the average guy.tv at uh, Home yeah. Gadget Geeks? Yeah, Aaron Lawrence from techgadgetscanada.com joins me. We spend some time talking about um, uh, coffee makers, espresso coffee makers, delicious, the ember mug. We spend some time with a Samsung projector. Like, is it viable in 2022 to have a, a, a projector and the Amazon TV Fire Cube? So if you're interested in those, any of those four things, and Aaron's just fantastic, homegadgetgeeks.com. Yeah, Uncle Marv says he's going to be out of town next week, going to the in-laws. So for everybody who can't make it next week, have a safe and happy yeah, we'll record it for We'll record it for you. Yeah, it yeah, just, we'll be here. Uncle Marv, uh, it'll be there. We'll, we'll hit the record button. Yeah, on the uh, School of Podcasting, I'm talking about, oddly enough, making decisions and just again i'm trying to help people that are overthinking it because i was overthinking it and kind of how i came to that decision and i saved myself a thousand dollars by asking myself two questions and uh, i'll tell you what those are on the school of podcasting because they're I, looking back i'm like wow that was close i almost wait blew. i have to go listen to it to know uh, can well, you just it, tell me right it, now it, it doesn't even <laughs> exist yet so uh, oh okay <laughs> but it'll be out on monday that's one of the that's one of the parts of the school of podcasting so uh, thanks for everybody for showing up. If we don't see you next week, have a safe and happy holiday. And uh, we're always here every Saturday. Askthepodcastcoach.com slash live and askthepodcastcoach.com slash support for those that want to throw us a few shingles. So, And be sure to hit the uh, thumbs up button and the like button. So 
We'll see you next Saturday. And subscribe right now. Hit the button. Ha, 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 ha.